Welcome, 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 welcome to the Barnabas Speaks podcast. I am your host, Cloyd Brown, and I'd like to welcome you to another week of the Barnabas Speaks. If this is your first time listening to the Barnabas Speaks podcast, Barnabas Speaks podcast is about podcast about encouragement, a podcast about empowerment, and a podcast about faith. I'd like to welcome you, welcome you, welcome you. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Another week. Uh, this past few weeks, we've been talking about, I guess you could say something controversial, but not really, but something we don't talk about in church, sex, food, and money. Uh, sex, food, and money. And I promised you that this year, as we began to start off, the, we kicked off our year for the podcast, that I would be bringing different voices so it wouldn't just be me. So for the first two years, it's just been me solo. <laughs> so uh, uh, we've, uh, we've had the marriage month in August where my, my wife and I did the marriage month. And then two weeks ago, we had the, the host of Two Girls in God podcast. And this week, I have my brother, uh, one of my closest friends. Uh, I'm going to say Elder <laughs> Kevin Hill. He's he going to be like, that's not necessary. But he is, he is Elder Kevin Hill, a great man of God. Also has a podcast which he contributes to. And I, uh, I'll let him plug that if he wants to. But definitely, we are here to talk, and I promise you, you're going to be blessed. We're just going to have a conversation. Uh, I don't want this to be, this is not going to be lecture type. Uh, you know, I can get preaching on here sometimes. But uh, we won't be preaching today, we hope. Uh, but uh, we, uh, I just want to definitely uh, welcome my brother, Kevin Hill. Thank you for having me, Claude. I appreciate um, being here and this opportunity to really uh to listen, learn, and, and speak what God has for the people to hear and what we can share about being honest. And as Chloe said, <clears throat> been knowing him a long time, consider him to be a brother, a family member, and uh, really just inspired about what God is doing through the Barnabas Speaks podcast. And uh, we do have a podcast, a MTM podcast, Maximize the Moment, um, which can be found on various platforms. But the big, big focus uh is encouragement because we need encouragement we need calibration we need opportunities so we can grow and make a difference by determining to make a difference so i just thank the lord for my brother having me on and that the guy have his way holy spirit lead us we're gonna jump into the subject just a hand but whether he realizes it or not he he is one who inspired the name of this podcast how did he inspire i told y'all this story from the very beginning uh, this is when we were still, I want to say we were still in Jersey. Maybe I can't remember. Yeah. I think we we're still in Jersey. Uh, and he said, you got a, you got a Barnabas spirit and me, he knows I'm a, I, when I, when I hear words, I got to look them up and I looked it up and it said, you have a, basically Barnabas means son of encouragement, son of encouragement. Uh, and so that's always who I've been in. So that's how, and then as I prayed and God gave me the name of, uh, the Barnabas project and then the Barnabas speaks podcast. So we're here. And so, what it's been about, I think about a month or two ago, me and uh, Kev, we were reading uh, the book, Misreading Scripture Through Western Eyes. And it, but like, basically after the introduction, it goes straight into this, this section of uh, sex, food and money. And uh, and that's that's where the this kind of series, because if, if you follow the podcast, we kind of do series. And so we, we talked about money the past couple of weeks. And uh, this week, we're going to talk about uh, the sex portion. Uh, and one of the things I always say is that, or I, not, it's two things I say. One thing I got from uh, uh, John, not John Maxwell, but uh, 
Uh, the money makeover guy. Uh, uh, Ramsey? Yes, Dave Ramsey. Uh, I was listening to uh, his, uh, the tapes, and one of the things I say tapes, the CDs, and they don't even do those anymore, but I would listen to the CDs. That's how, let you know how long ago it was. Uh, and he was saying that the two things that their parents talked that the parents never talked about, but they had was sex and money. Uh, and I think about even in the church, uh, even in our communities, uh, we do not speak on those things. Uh, specifically, if you think about the lower socioeconomic, uh, when we think about money, the low, lower social, socioeconomic status or class, money is not something that people talk about. And what we talked about last week was that money is one of the harder things to talk about because a lot of times our parents didn't have the knowledge. Uh, a lot of times the leaders in our community didn't have the knowledge. And so it was like, you have to go out and that's just something that's generally talked about in-house. And then when we think about sex, I, I, I can always sum up my parent, my dad's uh, birds and bees talk. Cause you see, I remember watching sitcoms and they'd have like, oh, it's time to have to talk, they had to sit down and talk about the birds and bees. And the dad is uncomfortable when they sit down and they have this conversation. And I don't even think it was like that. My dad basically was like, he said that uh, if you, he said, wait to, uh, you should wait to marriage to have sex. But if you can't, use protection. Uh, and so that was it. Like, literally, that's that was, this, and if he touched on it again, it was the same thing. It was never like, it was no, it was never no expanding, expounding into it. And so what, what was the, your conversation like? What did your parents pass down to you? My conversation was my first conversation I had with my dad and uh, my dad was a pastor, a retired pastor. Now my mom was a pastor and she has since retired as well. And I never had a conversation with my mom about sex, mm -hmm. uh, even to this day. And I had one conversation after I joined the military. I was joined at 19 and then I came back home and my dad kind of off cuff. It was a it was a. <laughs> it was a news report and about women who had had children um, naturally, natural birth, and how they had a form of way of um, renewing vaginal area to pre-birth status. Mm -hmm. And because the, after birth, there were some, some things that were um, not normal. Mm -hmm. And during this conversation and watching this, our conversation began rather as we was watching this. So I was sitting at home uh, and he basically was like, hey, you know, if you ever had any conversations, he kind of used that as a segue to talk to me. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you little, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> 19, I'm in the military, I can fight for my country, you know, I can vote, <laughs> I can drink. I'm kind of past this conversational point. And I kind of made a joke like, do you need any help talking about this? <laughs> You need me to show you some, some stuff, like you know, so you can kind of fulfill the needs. Of, uh, you know, I was being a jerk, obviously, and, and being uh, rude, if you will. But no, I never had to talk. And what what was funny is, uh, not to get ahead of our conversation, but I think what we keep in the dark, we don't let God light allow God's light to shine on it, and. I just one belief I have is whatever we keep covered, we don't let God cover. Mm -hmm. But whatever we uncover, we allow God to come in and cover for us. And I think we keep sex covered. I think we keep money covered. 
And I think we keep them covered in a way that it is a darkness in us and it ends up defeating us. If you think about a lot of men and women in our society, more so on the men's side, they're producing at a high rate in government mm-hmm. out of nowhere, sex scandal. Mm-hmm. Hey, Tiger Woods, you know, praise God for the blessed ability he had on a golf course. But through all that money making endorsements, things of that nature, what ended his marriage with his wife and separated her family was his uh, promiscuity with multiple women. Mm-hmm. So just speaking about those areas with sex as we start out, I think it's left in the dark. And to kind of tie this together quickly as we, we open up in this introductory area is that there's so many different things that are processing in us uh, physically and, and, and sexually. And I just believe that once we begin to open up some light and shed, shed some light on it, we get to understand that it's not that deep. Mm-hmm. That it's not that it's not that it's not serious, but we take away the taboo nature of it. And there's one thing I know about God is that he wants us to be blameless. Mm-hmm. And I think one way to stay blameless is to admit. If I if I slap you, Cloyd, and I say, Cloyd, I slapped you, you can't blame me for slapping you. I've admitted to it. Mm-hmm. Now, what you can do is punch me in the face. <laughs> but the truth is to stay blameless is by confessing and being truthful and, and uncovering ourselves, which leads to vulnerability, which is a whole nother podcast. Mm-hmm. But I just think that I, ne- I never had that conversation to get back to your initial question. That kind of went off on a tangent, but never had a conversation. And I think that it had a, a real negative effect on me by not having that conversation. I think, I think one of the things that uh, that we fail to kind of realize is, is that we often leave, and I'm now speaking as an adult, but also an adult that has worked with teens, uh, but also that has been a teen. We often leave young adults, and sometimes even younger than that, teens, and even sometimes younger than that, to kind of fend for themselves. And we're talking about the money and I mean, actually, if you think about money, sex, and food, we most of us, most of us grew up in households where those, even the thought of eating healthy or even the thought of uh, financial wealth, not even financial wealth, but financial education, uh, and even sex education, it became one of those things we had to fend for yourself. Uh, and and I, I think I was talking about as we one of the things that we both value is the idea of community. And that's kind of what I really one of the my favorite parts of the of the book, uh, Misreading Scripture Through Western Eyes, is that it was talking about a lot of it always went back to how community based the Eastern culture is versus the Western culture. Uh, even the thought of I, I think one of the things that stood out to me was the dating, like two t- two young teens going out on a date and they would they would never send them like by themselves. It was always like, we'll go with them because it's not even that they didn't trust them, but they just felt like that's too much pressure to put on someone so young. And if we, if you think about that mindset, it's too much pressure to, to put on learning something by yourself at such a young age. Uh, I, I think that it's, it's a few things that, of course, when we think about low socioeconomic status, but when it comes to sex, I don't think the same thing when it comes to money. 
I think it, it value, but the other side of it is that no one generally, unless I think if you are a sex therapist uh, or you are more, uh, you're more kind of open now, but I think that no one really did a, a, a great job at speaking to their children about it. Uh, I would say no one, but a lot of people don't. And so and with a lot of people, a lot of it is left on, a lot of teaching is left on the education system. Uh, I think the most of the stuff that I learned about sex happened in my fifth grade when I had the sex education class. And then I think I had it again sometime in middle school. And I think I had a health class in, in high school, but it wasn't as in-depth because we had already hit it. I think it's like fifth grade and maybe seventh or eighth grade, we touched it again. Uh, and I, But I mean, it gave you a very thorough knowledge. But you even think about how we just, we talk about body parts. Uh, and one of the things that if you actually talk to uh, uh, sex therapists and when you talk about dealing with children, sometimes because we don't use the real names of things, it's hard for them to uh, articulate when they've been taken advantage of. Uh, but uh, I don't want to go that because that's a totally different uh, lane. But the other side of it is that because we don't have these discussions, we don't have and I, a, a lot of things have changed. And so now. Uh, the youth have greater access uh, and uh, not not knowing what to do. And I think that if someone would have told me, if I could tell myself one thing about sex, and I tell this to any teen boy that I'm uh, a young man that I'm allowed to work with, uh, is that there's no putting the the there's no putting the top back on the on the box. Uh, I can't, I, I can tell you scripturally and it may not mean anything to you, but you can't put it back in. And, and I, I think that's one of the things that we don't, that we don't begin to talk about. We tell, we, even in the church, it's not something we talk about. Uh, and a lot of times parents don't want to talk to their kids about it, but they don't want to talk to their kids about it either. Uh, I remember I was, I was, we were having a, a youth group meeting, uh, like an all advisor meeting, a youth advisor meeting at the church. And we were really talking about, hey, we need to have these conversations because it's happening. And one of the one of the parents that were on there, like, I would prefer that y'all didn't because we have to be careful because I think I would rather have that conversation. And my retort was the problem is that parents are not having those conversations. <laughs> and so uh, and but I think that one of the things that I, I know that this generation of youth can understand and accept is honesty. Uh, it allows them, I think sometimes we don't want to, uh, T.D. Jakes, Bishop T.D. Jake says this, he said that his generation didn't do honesty really well. Hmm. Uh, he said they, they didn't tell the truth very well. They didn't tell, they didn't tell their children, even when it comes to money, their struggles, they hid those things. Uh, yeah, so, all. yeah. And so then there's this idea, like, that's why I think a lot of, uh, I, uh, misunderstandings of money and, uh, materialistic things come out because there's no conversation of how they dealt with the struggle, but they just hid the struggle as if there was no struggle. So we hid sex as if there was no sex, and then they have no they, they have no way of dealing with it. Uh, and so when you tell a child, when you just tell a child, hey, don't have sex, it works for a while, but when you don't have the conversations about it, you don't, if it's not an open dialogue of to where, hey, I feel comfortable coming to you, then they they have to get the information from somewhere, and I I think yeah. that 
a part of the the I think so something I've learned is <clears throat> they're gonna get set straight in the sense of sex, money, and food. They're gonna get set straight by somebody. Mm-hmm. So let's take this obedience. The, uh, let's just open the umbrella of obedience, right? Mm-hmm. And we're gonna stick sex. We're gonna stick money. We're gonna stick food underneath that umbrella of obedience. What I've learned is, and was taught to me, is that either I'm going to have that relationship and communication, or, or umbrella of obedience, or it's going to be the police officer mm-hmm. that communication and connection. Mm-hmm. Or it's going to be the judge who's going to have a communication connection with my children or their cellmate. Mm-hmm. So one of these are going to have that communication and connection and give some discipline and direction that is going to be a portion to them if I choose not to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that you, you caught a key term, you used a couple of terms uh, that were very effective. Community. Community allows for and embedded accountability. Mm-hmm. It's just, like if you're in a basketball community, you're not wearing certain shoes. Mm-hmm. If you're in a in a football community, you're not doing certain things that are detrimental to that community of football players, whatever it is. So there's a level of an embedded accountability. And I think with community, do we have a community attitude in our own households? Mm-hmm. At times as believers, we'll go outside of our home to do things for others that we wouldn't do for those in, in our home. And that's really a, 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 it's a slight towards us as leaders of the household, as men, and as a unit, as a family, because it's our relationships that communicate what we need to communicate. And what we're communicating oftentimes is these subjects aren't important enough for us to talk about, but your grades are. You be in that in this house at this certain time, we start communicating in a very verbal sense, in a very nonverbal sense, what's important. But we're not communicating what's important that's going to guide them to deal with important issues down the road. But if there's no connection, there's no communication, there is no safe haven of, of, of one-on-one talk or group think talk in a family, you're going to run into stuff down the road. And this is about seed planting. And I want to touch on Adam. God could have put Adam anywhere in the Garden of Eden. In the East Eden. He could have put him anywhere. God was not limited. But he put him in the garden. Because I think he wanted to teach Adam that things take time to grow in God's economy. Things take time to plant and be seeded and cultivated. To work and to care for. Those two things. Where's my camera at? Those two things, right? So with that being said, we have to understand that we have been placed in a position to cultivate to work and to care for. And if we don't do that, it's not going to happen. And it's not easy. It's not easy to set up family meetings every Sunday or, or Saturday or whatever. It's not easy to actually teach your children the Bible. It's not easy to have conversations about sex, money, and things of that nature. But when they're 18, 19, 20, 21, you're going to see the seed sprouting. Mm-hmm. And, and what you see is the reality of what you put in the ground. And I think if anybody's listening, I've seen in my own self, if anybody's listening and for us to even listen to what God is saying, that we have to cultivate these things because they're not being cultivated. Our parents, as you said, were not transparent. Where are you going? Oh, I'll go take care of some business. What? You can't just tell me you're going up the street because you laid on the loan payment? Like, I'm not saying you got to be, you got to be appropriately transparent, 
but if you hide so much, you, you're really robbing them of an opportunity to, to learn and grow and mature in our society. And I think that that's really big. As I said about this umbrella of obedience and dealing with these three areas we're talking about this evening, it's really, really pivotal and it's really, really purposeful for us to address them and have those uncomfortable conversations. Because if you have them enough, you begin a rhythm and nothing can stop a rhythm but us. Mm-hmm. You never start that rhythm. You're not going to see the the benefits and the blessings of having that rhythm in place. God never shied away from talking to the people when He tabernacled with them. Jesus never shied away from having tough conversations with the Pharisees. Why are we shying away from things that are truly a blessing to talk about, even amongst the ones whom we claim to love so much as our children? So, one of the things that stuck out to me about the garden was that had. Adam been obedient, uh, though he wouldn't have to work his heart. Because the fact is that, because I, I can only go off of basically just kind of inferences. And so if the punishment for disobedience was that he would have to work the ground and he had to tour the ground and, and he had to work hard, that means that before then, only thing he only the, the other side of it is that he did not have I'm not saying he didn't have to work, but he didn't have to work as hard. Uh, and so and because at that point, God put in mechanisms to where with his obedience. Uh, it, 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 no, no, I guess within within his obedience, the, the ground didn't need that work. But at the same time, what the, it is, we just tell. Uh, often when we talk to going, getting back to the subject at hand, when we tell teens or we tell young people not to have sex, we don't have a reason behind it. But even when God tells Adam not to eat of the the fruit, he's God. He could just say, I'm giving this command, don't eat. But don't eat because you will surely die. So he's he's, he's transparent in what's going to happen. And the other side of it is that if we were to be openly transparent. I'm not saying you need to be openly transparent with a six-year-old, <laughs> but as, as as you see at 15, 16, 17, uh, as they're growing up, there's gonna there has to be a transition to where you have these conversations like, hey, this is why you should not do it. And then you leave room to insert and you you get to, you, you get to now use that 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 God given discernment. What can I give them that will give them practical examples of why we shouldn't, do, why you shouldn't do this. I, I want to even take it here real quick. And I, that's very valid. Even if you don't know mm-hmm. or have a reason why they shouldn't have sex. Cause you like, man, I was having sex at 13. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> having a party, eating everything and drinking everything I can put my eyes on mm-hmm. and spending all the money. I think that we, I believe in something I think John C. Maxwell speaks of called the law of exposure. And I believe that it's it's beautifully done by God that he gives explanation, but he also gives exposure. Mm-hmm. So with that exposure, we're able to see and then receive visually and verbally into our lives what God is asking us to do. I remember, you know, our pastor back in Jersey, Pastor Thompson, like God will never kind of speak to you in a way that you can't understand. Mm-hmm. So we should know our children well enough to know 
we need to speak to them about these things and carry forth in a manner which they can understand. And I think the key word is to be intentional. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have a PhD in child psychology to tell your kid, hey, man, keep it in your pants. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, young lady, you don't need to be wearing that. Mm-hmm. Why? Trust me. The results you you will get from that is not what you want. Because mm-hmm. it, it's, it's being intentional. And I think that taking a Dave, Dave Ramsey class, going to uh, a sex counselor and kind of figuring out what's the best way to communicate sexual uh, activity and in, in, in the focus of inactivity for the purposes of longevity um, and our walk with God and our marriages and things of that nature. And then uh, producing good eating habits for our body. And and I want to touch on that food here in a little bit. But these these things, you don't have to be a guru. Just bring it up. Fumble your way through it a couple of times. Because they remember, oh, man, my, my mom was talking about sex and she was sweating and all this. But it, it shows them the seriousness of the intentionality. Mm-hmm. If we can be intentional about supporting our football teams, buying jerseys and license plates and bumper stickers. We need to be a little bit more intentional about the things that have intentional results, like raising our kids and dealing with even the adults dealing with sex, money and, and food. I tell you, man, real quick on, on money. It's people I can't even talk to about money. In a, in a helpful way, mm-hmm. even when I was in the military, I would try to address some of my troops that were individuals that, under, uh, that were subordinate to me in rank. And that deals with pride. We got to be honest, Claude. There's there's a lot of pride. It's pride, as you know, and maybe you don't, but I learned pride is a protector. Mm-hmm. Pride wants to protect. sensitive <coughs> and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So if I had this pride, man, don't talk to me about food. I, I watch my weight. I lose 10 pounds when I feel like it. I eat what I want to eat. It ain't going to work out. Or whatever it may be, sex. Um, you deal with money. You, you, you better... You better have that six foot mic like they had at the NBA championship to talk to somebody because they don't want to talk about money. That's my money. That's personal. That's close to my heart. Don't deal with that. So I just think if we're intentional and we, you know, we give that transparency, we talk to them, like you said, with God and give some reasoning and we won't have the sweat of our brow. You know, a lot of marriages right now are suffering because the person hasn't been hasn't been delivered from premarital lust. Mm-hmm. So they're in a context with a mental context that doesn't match the physical context they end with marriage or the spiritual context. We ain't touched on spiritual matters and spiritual issues with these th- three things um, because they're all soulish, you know, mm-hmm. money, you're dealing with sex, you're dealing with food. These are things that are f- fulfilling our soul. And I end on this, or I pass the mic back to you. Uh, Robbie Zacharias, rest in him, God. Um, he spoke about how money is congealed life. Mm-hmm. It's like life, you know, for so many people. It's like, it's a, it's a way of holding life. And I think sex is almost like a congealed joy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If I, and, and food is, is a congealed joy and happiness and life almost. And we make these things that in and of themselves are a part of life. We make them all of life. And it's hard Claude, for me to deal with sex, money, and food with my kids if I can't deal with it in my own self. Mm-hmm. You know, on the airplane when I was flying as an air crew, it said, you know, we, we were briefed to members and I was flying, you know, you put on your mask first and then you help your assistant mm-hmm. or that's next to you, rather the person sitting next to you. I, I think that we have to begin to put on the mask and the reality of our actions dealing with these three areas, if not other areas that we're not even speaking on that may come to people's minds listening before we can try to deal with others. And I think that's a greater underlying fundamental issue as well 
we haven't really addressed our own sex, money, and food issues. And we're like, why would I deal with it with my kid? Like, I'm not dealing with that. Like, fend for yourself. And I, that's a sad thing to say, but I think it's a true thing. That's that's a reality in many of our lives. And I, I want to touch on another side of it because we only kind of, a lot of times when we get to sex and money, we only talk about the the most negative. I won't say that the other, what I'm about to say is not negative, but the most negative. And what I mean by that is that uh, there's a podcast I listened to uh, called The Love Hour. That's what Kevin on stage and his wife, uh, Melissa Fredericks, uh, Miss Kevin on stage. And uh, one of the things that she was saying is that with the purity movement, they taught, what we taught was that sex was bad. And so she she did what she was supposed to do, uh, wait to marriage. But now she doesn't know how to cut that up, turn that off because everything that she was taught was that sex was bad. And so if you think about, so let's say they got married at 22 and let's say the first time she heard that it's 12. So for 10 years she's been, and so she's been, if you will, indoctrinated into that sex is bad. Not the context that, Hey, it's it's almost the how I feel about the fruit. Um, we've had this conversation, I believe, and the fruit was it's not just that it wasn't that knowledge was bad for uh, it was that they couldn't handle that level of knowledge because they they just it just it wasn't meant for them to kind of handle that. And so at the same time, it's not that sex is bad, but outside of the context in which it was it was created for. You, it's too much for you to handle. But now this, now you have married people because it could be a man or a woman that struggles transitioning. But it's because we never had honest conversation, and we even take that back. The money is that if you think about, if I'm looking at the average 18 year old that's in the military, and if they grew up like me, they may not have. Well, I've I've worked since I was 14, but this may be their first job. And their parents never talked about money and you've never really had access to money, regardless of if you come in as an E1 or E3, you now have this access to money. And it's not that money is bad, but because you have not been because no one ever sat down and talked to you about dealing with money, you have this. And now how do you turn that off? Or even how people look at credit, like credit is bad, credit is bad, credit is bad. But now then you find out to get a house, you need credit <laughs> or to, to, to uh, if you need to purchase a car uh, with a payment plan, uh, you need credit. And so but no one has taught because everything. So when I'm growing up is don't get a credit card, uh, stay away from, uh, from from debt. And it's on the service is good advice, but because it doesn't give I don't have no underlying. I don't know how to process it. And so now. I'm trying to get this car that I need, but I have no credit and I don't even understand how that works. And I haven't, I haven't gotten anything like I have no, I've, I've not charged anything on my credit. I don't know, even know what that means, but there's no. And so I'm, I'm forced to kind of learn by, by experience that I did not have to learn by. And so I always, uh, one of the things I always say is that experience is the best teacher, but it doesn't have to be your experience to be the teacher. Uh, because a lot of times that's what we say, man. Uh, like I'll never forget one of the, one of the cliches they used to say on the flight line was it builds character. I went through it. So you got to go through it. And I, a lot of times that's, that's negative thinking in a sense, because I can teach you this 
from my experience and you can avoid some of the pitfalls. Uh, that, that's the whole point. That's that's the point of the wisdom. The wisdom is that I can tell you not to do this, but I'm a, I'm pouring into you why not to do it. And here, here it goes. Why? And so I'm, I'm trying to direct you. But I think a lot of times because there's such access of information and I want to touch on something you said about even stumbling through. Nowadays, the same thing I tell I tell teens and I tell I used to tell uh, young airmen, uh, if you don't know something, a lot of ways is that you're being and it sounds harsh, but you're being willfully ignorant because there's so much information to get to. Like if I want to know, even if I even if I can't do it, even if I look and see I can't do it, but I want to know the steps to changing my oil. I can go on YouTube and figure out the steps to changing my oil. And so it's like, hey, well, yeah, I can never learn that. I can learn it. It may not be something I want to do. It's then you have that that wisdom to decide whether you want to do it or not. But when you I can I can go get it. And so for even for us as parents who may not have had the same type of teaching, we may not have a PhD or this, this and that. We can we can look and then also pray because we, we we combine that that wisdom that we combine that knowledge with prayer and that God gives us the the wisdom to how to use that knowledge because I think we don't want to ne we never want to move away because that's where the spiritual part comes in at it's like hey God I have this information but if this is gonna go well I'm gonna need you to tell me how to say it because <laughs> I'm already nervous about saying this. Uh, I'm already, and I think the other side of it is that it goes back to pride is that we can't be afraid. I think we're sometimes we're afraid to say, I don't know. Uh, and that is the, that's, that's pride. Yeah. Uh, I remember I got into it with the, with the, with the I would say, God, we had a disagreement, uh, disagreement of opinion. And we were in a, a, a ministerial group. It was another uh, minister. And one of the older elders was like, they were asking a question. They were asking a question, and she said, "I'm okay saying I don't know." Uh, and it, it may have been a spiritual question. I, I'm okay saying I don't know. And the, and one of the ministers they said, "Well, I, I, I think that's I disagree with that. How are you not going to say because we don't? How are you going to say we don't know?" She just said that she wouldn't go and try to seek and find information. But the other side of it is, is that I'd rather say I don't know than trying to spit out something pseudo-spiritual and it causes them to stumble or causes them to be lost. I'm going I'm to leave it there. I'm going to let you pick up. No, I, I think that's very appropriate to be be appropriately vulnerable mm -hmm. and to not sell wolf tickets. I think at times as parents and as people, we sell wolf tickets. And when people show up for the show, there's no show. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of as my mom would say, a lot of heen and hauling, you mm -hmm. know, a lot of just jibber jabber. It's not any real talk or any essence of, of going forward. And I think what you said about experience is very key is that Jesus guides us through the spirit of God. And it's not necessarily the situations and contexts he's guiding us through as much as he is guiding himself and us. But when we get to these contexts and these situations, he's taking us through them, even though we've never experienced it before. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you have those three levels. You have knowledge, you have understanding, and then you have how God is working all together or the skill for living, mm -hmm. which is wisdom. And I think that we have to be wise enough to know that we don't know and that there's areas of struggle in ourselves. And there's presupposed thoughts about sex and in different areas of our lives. And that I think it's beautiful 
I, I think that we kind of shy away from uh, crucial conversations because of our own internal inabilities. And we're doing too much of putting it on our shoulders. You know, in Matthew chapter 11, I think around verse 29, 28, 29, he speaks about, God speaks about taking on his yoke. And when you when you had that mentality in your mind, in your heart, I think it, sh- it should shift you a little bit to say, you know what? I don't know. It says, take up on my yoke and learn from me. Very key. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And I think you're humble and, and your heart is in the right place. Our heart should be to help anybody and everybody, especially those ones who are closest to us. Paul said, I wish that these Israelites would get their act together. I'm paraphrasing. But it's vital that we had that same perspective and that we're able to open ourselves up enough to say, I don't know. I'm not good at this. Let me give you a quick illustration. I'm homeschooling right now, just as you are. And I have three children. I have a three-year-old. And I have an eight-year-old. And we have a 10-year-old. I've been saying me, but it's me and my wife because I haven't had a child. So what's interesting about that is I struggled from pride. I came from an aviation background in the military and I knew what I knew when I was kind of a, a top, top expert in my career in my field uh, as far as experience and my ability. But you don't know what you don't know. Let me say that. Again. You don't know what you don't know. And I, I did not know a lot about educating my children. And here I am married to a teacher. Did I ever ask her one time, was some, what are some great techniques for our eight-year-old? What are some great techniques for our three-year-old when she's running around the house and I'm trying to teach the 10-year-old and the eight-year-old? But my ignorance had, and my pride had produced ignorance and gave birth to frustration. So pride led to giving birth to ignorance, which, which led birth to frustration. Until one day, by God's grace, I started dealing with my eight-year-old and it, like the light bulb came on. I don't know. And I need to learn from her, ask questions, get insight, dive into her brain. She's wildly and deeply educated in this area. And it greatly benefited me. And I think that's what we have with Christ. When we take on that yoke from Matthew chapter 11, we put his yoke upon us, not the Pharisees' yoke, not the pride of you know, how much cumin is that? How much deal? Oh, you can't take this ox no further than this on Sunday or you're working. Like, no. Yes, we're under grace, but are we growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus? Like it says in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Are we moving mm-hmm. towards what Christ would have us to do? Because Christ just as bad wants us to understand sex. He wrote Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, depending on what Bible version you have. The Holy Spirit wrote that. Dark and lovely. It was before the hair a uh, hair company. It was in Song of Solomon because of her skin because she was working out in the field because her brothers was tripping. All I'm saying is, if we center ourselves in a different way, Kev on stage, wife, she can be delivered and has been delivered. I believe it in Jesus' name that we can start to move things away from the norms and see things very differently. Now, I'm not trying to over spiritualize this conversation. Please don't hear that and please don't receive that. I'm not trying to over spiritualize or under spiritualize, but I do think it needs to be a balance. Because I think we're we're out of balance and when you're out of balance, things are confusing, you get dizzy. So what we need to do is we need not to uh, emphasize one thing at the expense of another. We shouldn't go out and just get all sex education and money education and, and all these different food education and go to the highest hilt with it. We need to say, Lord, move me to this balance. Today, you might have ice cream. You know, tomorrow might not. But Lord, guide me in the daily doings of my life with my children, with my parents, with myself. Like even now, I treat my parents concerning sex and things of that nature. I got to have balance. 
I, I, and why is that? Because they're, they're still learning how to treat me as a 43-year-old male. Mm -hmm. I got three kids. I don't mean they can't still give me insight and guidance. I'm still their baby. Mm -hmm. so I say the same thing for us and find that balance because these things are not negative topics. Mm -hmm. Taboo, maybe. But who made them taboo? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think the taboo, but I also think I want to go back to community. I think the other side of it is that we there used to be a saying that it takes a village to raise a child. Uh, and it's, it's, it can go deeper than that. But it, the other side is that because we live in our, uh, our isolation, even isolation, our family is isolated where we don't even have, we don't know who is who, not even in the church we go to, or who is who in the, uh, in the communities we live in. And what I mean by that is that you may not have to, to take it on by yourself. There may, there may be a person that you can go have a conversation with and say, you know what, I, I teach this. But we wouldn't know that because we, don't, we live so far out of community. Like, well, let's, yeah. let's touch this. So this is what I find interesting, and I find it beautifully said that you just said it. So we have to be aware of speaking two things out of the same perspective. Mm -hmm. The two perspectives are we can't have willful, willful ignorance because there's a, there's a plethora of information, right? But too much information leads to isolation mm -hmm. because that's what happened with Adam and Eve. Yeah. They took on too much information, which isolated them. And they had to get kicked out of the Garden of Eden in the East of Eden. So we have to, again, be led by the spirit. Right. Galatians chapter five, verse 25 says, stand step with the spirit Let the spirit lead us again, not over spiritualizing. But we have to have a trust and faith that we can take the information and still combine that with community because that's what God needs for us to do. He gives the information, but we got to take the information and implement it into the community. Mm -hmm. I can Google so many things, but if I see my neighbor across the street who has insight about things that I don't, a one-on-one -on -one conversation may be more beneficial than a 10-minute Google search. Mm -hmm. a, a phone call to Brother Claude to encourage me about my state of mind and my attitude about my family may be better than listening to YouTube and listen to five different ways to maybe get out of debt. I, I, what I'm trying to say is that there's, we have to have a balance because I think that we can run a risk of an imbalance because there's so much information out there. And then also there's a community there that we may not always have an opportunity to trust. So we really got to be able to, we got to do the tough work, Lloyd. We got to do the heavy lifting. And the heavy lifting is getting to know our neighbors. Mm -hmm. What are their strengths and weaknesses? Um, just this week, and I want to touch on this very, very rapidly. Just this week, our devotional for the week is teamwork. And it's dealing with Proverbs 27 and 17. It's dealing with uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, I think, verses 9 through 12. And it's dealing with these things about working together as a team because there's one purpose and one goal. Mm -hmm. How many families have a goal? How many families have a purpose statement and a mission statement? How many families truly want to see success for their children outside of them just going to college? To see them to be healthy Christian believing, God fearing children who mature into adults who do what was called to do with Adam and Eve to go out and produce more of your like kind so we can have a community of people who love God and who can live and function within society. I'm not talking that I'm better than you, you know, the, the big white Bible, you know, mm -hmm. 
put in some big humongous backpack. When I'm saying people that are part of society to impregnate our society with an attitude and a focus and a mind where these taboo topics are not taboo anymore. We can talk about sex as believers. We can talk about money. We can talk about food. You're eating too much and not be offended because we have implemented a community focus with the information we've given. And I think that's where the neglect can be is we get out of balance and things are turned on its head because we lean so much information or we lean on those people for community and then we get hurt and we have church hurt or community hurt. I'm not going to vote because this person did it. And I think we get out of balance. And I think these conversations are needed for even my own self to be in balance, to think about, am I really opening myself up to my community? Am I being willfully ignorant when there's information to help me out when it comes to conversations and things? I think these are the challenges because nobody gives us a handbook in a sense as far as I, I won't say that, but I can't even say that because gave us, God gave us the Bible. So that, that's our handbook. I, I think we maybe not appropriate the handbook correctly. That's probably a better way of saying that um, to base ourselves in that. And I will say this and this may be cause people to tune off and turn off the radio or whatever. But it's sad at times as believers that we go to the world for help in these areas and we can't help each other out as believers. That we have to go to a secular counselor who doesn't believe in God, who may be an atheist, but have greater insight in how to balance their lives around certain moral fibers and focuses and purposes when it comes to these three areas and talk about sex openly. It's not a big deal. But within the body of believers, it's it's like I can't even talk to my pastor or my friend about it who believes in God because just don't have sex. You know, don't be fornicating, demon. And it's like, I got urges. I, I'm processing through things right now emotionally. I cannot talk to you. Jesus faced all things and was tempted, but he didn't go into it. So that means I say he was tempted like we are, but the Bible says he was tempted much like we are. So I just, I, I know I'm going on as tangent, but I just think that there's a place where we got to hold these things in tension and do the heavy lifting in the sense of being involved, being integrated and not always having the answers and, and just be, but being able to address it saying, I don't know. Like, I just think we should be able to do that. We should be able to address these issues in a way for the benefit and the purpose of why we are here on earth. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't think it's, it's really taken into account. And more more baby girls are getting pregnant. More more baby daddies are popping up in churches. More pastors are sleeping with with young men and want young women in the church. And I did say young men. Mm-hmm. So the the issue is there. One of the things I want to also make sure that we are whether it's the community, whether we're in the church, whether we're parents, we have to be mindful of our responses too. I think that if, for instance, if let's use money. Uh, because I'm gonna use money and sex actually. If, you, if 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 your if your teenager overdraws their account and you blow up on, at them, they'll they'll be afraid to come bring you that bring it bring it to you. And so, or if they if they are struggling with finances or with money, and you have the, within your ability to help them, but because of your last response, they don't feel comfortable. Or if you have, if, if it's sex and uh, you basically, you say, uh, whatever you don't bring a baby in this house and then they get pregnant, that's why it takes them so long to tell. Yeah. Because they don't, they don't know. Or even if, even if it's not, or if you explode about something 
even something small, or let's say you find out you're in, it, it, I, this is this is just it's possible if you if you find out your teenager is watching porn, and I'm not saying that you don't have a corrective action or something to say, but what I am saying is that if they are if they if they are truly struggling with this thing, they'll never feel if you if you have an explosive uh, thing and it's like man and or it becomes to where it's sometimes what we do is we put them at the front of the church and make them feel like they're the only one. <laughs> and then there's no one there to, to assist to say, hey, but sometimes it needs to be, I've been there. Uh, like, listen, there's some things that we, we just can't do, but but not in a comment, not to the point to where it makes them to kind of like, a turtle going to his shell. Uh, and so like it just won't they won't come out the shell uh because the one time or they ask a ask a question about it and how you answer is like the pastor says, just don't have sex. Well, then you've now shut them off, or it's not the fact that they don't want to ask the question, they don't feel safe in asking the question, and so they'll go somewhere where they feel safe. And that that, that reminds me of what Paul told Timothy, like with great patience, when he ministered with great patience. And I, I think that, yeah, I think if we took a more of a, just a simple service attitude, which is hard, especially with family and you got different complexities and people work in different hours and sleep cycles and all these things. That's why I say you got to do the hard work. I, I, I think that if we had a more of a service mentality, like how can I serve my children? the way God has served me. How can I serve them grace? How can I give them space? And I had a, a, a friend of mine who would hit me up about two weeks ago and going through some things and, and he's trying to address his child and his child won't talk to him. Mm-hmm. And, and the Holy Spirit really put in my heart is telling him, you know, he needs some space and some grace. Mm-hmm. He has a counselor. The counselor is doing some things that right now he doesn't trust you to do. And it hurts. It hurt for him to hear that, but he knew it was the truth. He knew that he had not been he had, he was not being the prophet, priest, and king of his household. He was not living out what he said he believed in, and the child saw through it. A fifteen year old child at that. Mm-hmm. So I use this illustration to speak on what you were saying. I think it's great for application uh, at this part of, of of this podcast is that we have to apply ourselves to doing what's needed and necessary to see change. And one of that is how we respond to situations. Because I don't think if someone is within the body of believers, if you're a minister or whatever it may be, or even a fellow member, somebody say, hey, look, I'm doing this. You wouldn't be like, what? Are you serious? I can't believe. Imagine a pastor saying that to a parishioner. Imagine a pastor saying, look, you, you, excuse the term, but you, look, you idiot. Why'd you do this? Why'd you fall into this temptation? Man, I've been preaching for three weeks about this topic. and You just an idiot. I can't believe you. You know, a pastor wouldn't, but I would hope, wouldn't even speak in those terms. But we address our children in such a different manner. We address our family members, our wives, because we've been speaking about children and teens. And but let's kind of flip it a little bit even further. What about the struggles our wives may have with sex? Mm-hmm. About having sex with us? It may not be something that we desire. About men feeling like they're deprived of sex, or women spending money. And men like chill out. I just put their money in the bank. 
or wives telling husbands, you eating one too many hot dogs. Like it's, I think it's across the board and how we address these issues and the nature of them. Because I tell you one thing when it comes to application, we spoke about application of how we respond. We spoke about application of transparency. Um, I think it's important that when we don't respond in the right, righteous, direct manner and however God would direct us, that Satan is ready to respond. Satan will tell you have another burger or eat some unhealthy, whatever, or Satan will say bye, bye, bye. It'll make you feel better. As we spoke of earlier, that congealed life, that life that comes through something that's not really life, that doesn't really have life. Because these components are are in and of themselves are just objects. They're nouns. They're a person, place, or thing. It's an action. You know, sex is an actual verb. It's an action of something. But eating, you know, spending money, these things in and of themselves. But we have to take action because if we don't take action, Satan is already in action. And he is, will, will drag you through the mud and, and have you turn around thinking like, where, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. And that's what we really don't want to have. We don't want people in, in a place where they're confused on how they got there. And then there's that re- regret that we didn't say something like that. Be That's normally on my heart. I don't want my kids to be grown. And I'd be like, man, I wish I would have told you, mm-hmm. but I didn't. Now, I, what you just said was key. I want to. I want to harp on that. That that is really, really key. How we respond is key. Like there's conversations that I just won't bring up with my parents, and if it wasn't for the Spirit of the Lord in me, helping me and maturing me past my hurt because of their responses, because mm-hmm. it built a protective mode in my brain that I'm not bringing this up to you anymore. Mm-hmm. And while we're here, let's talk about brotherhood and sisterhood. Let's just go across the whole gamut. Mm-hmm. There's some conversation we won't have with certain brothers because we like, man, here this dude go. He's gonna throw me 18 scriptures. I just asked him what time it was. I, you know, I'm struggling with drinking alcohol and I'm a believer, so holla at me. And what I'm saying is we we definitely gotta move by God's spirit. Sometimes we need a, a knock upside the head, but sometimes we just say, Man, what's the spiritual implications of what you're doing? What what's going on inside of you? What's hurting? I think nobody wants to overeat. Nobody wants to have sex with everybody. And I think nobody wants to spend their money wildly. Now, of a person who dealt with all three, mm-hmm. who spent money wildly, charged $6,000 on a And I'm not talking to y'all. I'm talking to myself. I've done these things. Mm-hmm. $6K on a credit card of debt. And I kept a secret from my wife. $6,000. She had no idea. As a, as a young adult, upward to $10,000 on pornography. When there was when there were DVDs coming out, almost every paycheck I almost spent almost up to two hundred dollars on pornography, and then struggling with weight, weight gain, weight loss. So I'm not speaking from just like ah, let's talk about these things. These are real struggles that God has shown me the deliverance from. So when I speak about them, I'm speaking from a place of deliverance and experience. But it's always day one. Like I have to address my children based off day one, not like well, I'm here and I'm just. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. No, man, this is serious. Every day it's a battle. It's a battle to understand that I can't fall prey to what had once caught me and kept me off balance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And that's serious. Like, that's how serious I take this conversation because if we don't address them and we don't really address them openly and honestly and transparently, Satan is there to blame us. He's the accuser of the brethren. 
if you got an NIV 2011, it may say the accuser of, of the people or something, you know, something very, you know, uh, cover everybody. But I, I, I didn't mean to go on that far, but I just really want to, to, to shed light in my heart about what you said about application of our responses. That is a very large piece of this puzzle. We got to ask God how to respond. And, and oftentimes, Lord, help me respond in what you would have me say. Fill my mouth and mind so I communicate your heart. Because if we don't, we're going to push away somebody who needs to be brought close. One of the things I want to think about is that, let's say, and if we read the book of Misreading Scripture Through Western Eyes, we never consider that our interpretation is in a lot of ways is based on our vantage point. Uh, and so when we read scripture, we, and so we, as, even how we look, how we view God is based off our vantage point. Uh, and so even when it comes to sin, even when it comes to certain things, we, if it's something that is big to us, that means it has to be big to God. And if it's something that's not that big of a deal to us, God doesn't really care about that. Or if it's somebody that's important to us, God has grace for them. Somebody that's that's our enemy, they have to be God's enemy, so he don't have any mercy for them. Uh, and one of my challenges, and I don't want to get into the political aspect, but even my challenge with people on social media, when they put these political stances, one of my questions that I always ask, and if I know them, I'll ask them, uh, but my question is, are you sure that your perspective is God's perspective? Are you Have you checked your stance with God's stance? Uh, and that's the same concept. Have you checked your response with God's response? Uh, and that's what we have to do. Are, are we checking our response through Holy Spirit? Like, hey, it's almost as if the Holy Spirit can be our, our the uh, equivalent to our Microsoft spell check, but our spiritual check. Like, uh, I think I know how to spell this, but let me do a spell check anyway. Let me do it, uh, or I like to use grammarly. Let, I, it seems, because the other side of it is your spelling may be right, and you may even have most of the good punctuation, but it doesn't read well. And what I mean by that is that it doesn't translate to the person well. Uh, so like I use Grammarly uh, specifically because I, because I'm HR, I do a lot of uh, professional writing. And so I'll, when I do a report, I'll send it to Grammarly to see how. And so the, the spelling is good. Uh, the tense is correct. But the other thing that it looks at is readability. And so when it looks at that readability, it's like, hey, this the sentence is it's 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 clear, but it could be clearer. Uh, this may be too wordy. Uh, and a lot of times we believe that that it has to that God's stance hit the way that we say is the way God would say it. And the other side of it, because our perspective, we even when we because I'll see I'll see people saying, well. This is how Paul said it. One, we don't know how Paul said it. We just have it in, we have written down 
And we're not even sure a lot of times, unless we go back into some of the original original text and the original language, we're not sure of voice inflection. We're not sure of tone. And so we believe, well, Paul said it like this. Well, Paul, and this is not to take anything with, because all, uh, all scripture is God breathed. We should be taking our, our keys from Christ. I think about the woman at the well. He knew everything about her. And he didn't really tell her anything about herself until the end. Because he then had won her over to where he had formed her a, a, a rapport to where he could say something. Uh, and a lot of times, when a whether it's your brother or sister, whether it's you talking to your parents or your parents talking to you, or it's just someone that you that you that you're ministering to, when you build a rapport, they know where your heart is. And then they can then you can say, uh, yeah, and the man you stand with now is not your uh, husband either. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, if he came out the gate like that, she's like, "Well, let me get out of here." <laughs> I'm there like, was no relationship because that you've heard it without, you know, rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Mm -hmm. You know, but rules with relationship, uh, they can revolutionize the situation. That they can, they can change things. They can. It's, it's so. It's. I think if we got kind of back to the basics. Mm -hmm. And some of the basic fundamentals of just praying with our children and with each other and praying for one another, choosing to actual worship with them. And if you can't worship with a friend or a family member, you know, bringing a level of worship in your in your talks and your conversations you know, with them and depending on the word to guide us. I think these things are, are will forever be on this side of glory important. When it comes to these topics, you know, I, I think that if a man of God or a woman of God or whomever it may be just decides to, to talk about these topics or any topic, it definitely needs to be ran through God so he can let the Holy Spirit direct us in what to say. It's the Bible speaks, you know, in a couple of places, uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 9 through 13 comes up right now. And also James chapter 3, I believe, just speaking about asking, seeking and knocking. That, that hasn't changed. That's the fundamental of our faith. And then if your motives are wrong, you know, then it's going to show that it's not going to come to pass because God knows your motives aren't right. And he's not going to reward something with the posture and motive is off. And I, I just I just think what you're saying is. Is really spot on. We, we have to be in a place where. We can move out based off how the Holy Spirit is directing us. And that takes humility. That takes Proverbs chapter three, verse five, being in action. Mm. You know, trust in the Lord all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. It didn't say you couldn't understand the situation. It is saying, hold on, lean not. Trust me. Because it's three things that come to mind when you were speaking. And about the, gram the grammar thing you use for HR is, you know, doing the right thing the right way at the right time mm -hmm. you have to do all three you can do the right thing the right way at the wrong time you can do the, the wrong thing the right way at the right like it's like nine variables in that you know what i'm saying but if you do the right thing the right way at the right time that's what being holy spirit led mm -hmm. and that's not easy we're gonna we're gonna do the right thing the wrong way at the right time you gotta come back oh i got two out of three i got one out of three but god's saying keep continue to move in one day 
that three out of three. And guess what? Nobody's keeping score. We may look at it as one out of three, but the kid is like, man, that really touched my heart. Because God can use our very feeble words as powerful words of grace in our kids and our brothers and our sisters and whoever's ears. So I just you you spot on with that. We ought to let the spirit speak and, and just take a pregnant pause and say, hold on. Before I address this brother, guns are blazing. Let me ask God. God said, hey, man, you need to pray for him. Mm-hmm. You Because you don't know what's on the other side of that emotion. When emotions are high, wisdom is low. When emotions are high, wisdom is low. And we need wisdom to work out these situations that Satan is trying to dominate us with when it comes to these areas. Because behind all these stuff is a spirit behind it. And what I mean by a spirit, the spiritual realm is working against the physical realm to make the soul be impregnated with the decisions of the soul, of the fallen nature. But the spirit of God is working to, to mold us to deal with these issues so we're not separated, so we can be delivered in a divine way that God will have us to be delivered. Because behind every physical situation is a spiritual backdrop. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what that, that spiritual backdrop is, but the Holy Spirit does. So we, we have to be led by his spirit so we're not fighting against flesh on flesh. Mm-hmm. The Bible says we don't fight against flesh and blood. We don't, that's not, man, there's some spiritual forces in high places going on up here, man. So oh, we can go for, we can go. We can talk. Uh, I, I definitely hope that this is not the last time, but I know that this is, this is a topic I think it expands a lot. I think that uh, it definitely expands to community. It definitely, I think it definitely expands to, I think, crucial conversations. I think that uh, one of those things that we shy away from things, we shy away from things that we don't know a lot about. Uh, and it's almost like, hey, it's the avoidance. Uh, if, if it's something you know about, you want to talk about it all day, you can go, 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 go. And we shy away from that. And the other side of it is that, the, I think the other problem is that we shy away from it, but we pretend that we know. Uh, it's almost like, uh, I think it was a uh, uh, real world. Uh, it used to be like, uh, you think you know, but you have no idea. Uh, in the empty real world, like you think you know, but, uh, uh, but you really have no idea is when people stop uh, being fake and they get to being real. And so when we get to that the realness. Uh, what is what is real relationship? What is what is real community? Uh, and in a lot of ways, we have a lot of pseudo things, uh, and it it fits our benefit. And I believe that God has been speaking for us to come to come into community uh, for. Probably, I want to say probably from the beginning of time, we were meant to live in community. Even even from how he says it, let us make man in our own image. And then one of my favorite scriptures that Pastor Rav kind of kind of opened up to me that I never I knew about the Tower of Babel, but I never really paid attention to it. But when you look at the Tower of Babel, God's own testimony about unity and community is. Uh, in the King James, it says it like this. The people is one. He don't say the people are one. People is one as if they're just their they're person they're in singular form. But he says that if speaking the same language and kind of, and I'm paraphrasing, and moving in the same direction, they were able to accomplish this, then there's nothing that's impossible for them. 
And he was not tearing down. The reason why he, he scattered them, it was not because it had nothing to do with them being in unity. So he wasn't trying to get them to be isolated, but it was the, the posture in which they were doing it. But the other side of it is we go to, to the church that acts and community is that they said that they had all things in common, that no one had a need. And when they did, they came together to meet that need. And so oftentimes we look at it, we think we're talking about a financial need, but sometimes it's not a financial need. Sometimes it's an emotional need. Uh, sometimes it's not a, it's not a, a, a just a, hey, an emotional need. It is a knowledge need. It is an information need. And so there was no lack because they uh, uh, they they leaned on each other, uh, and and they 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 assisted they assisted each other. And I was I was thinking about the scripture earlier, which is First Corinthians ten and thirteen, when it talks about uh, God will provide a way of escape. And we are looking for the way of escape to be where, where you're in, when you when you're in the midst, you're going to get this phone call and someone say, "You stop doing that." And so sometimes it's not going to be that. Sometimes it's having a real accountability partner. And so one of the things that I that I used to do, what I would do is that, hey, specifically when I was struggling with promiscuity, hey, and you have to have godly brothers and godly sisters. Hey, I'm going on this date. If, I don't, if you don't hear from me by 10 o'clock, I want you to call me so I can make sure that I'm getting home. Uh, and so, but is that mindset, or even like, hey, uh, it's about knowing yourself, and we have we have to cut this. But we have we uh, but uh, about knowing yourself in the sense of, I know that everybody responds to stress for a different way. And so specifically, when I was uh, not married and I was not in, uh, in in a in a place to where I was truly knowledgeable of myself, and when I got stressed, is when I found myself watching more pornography. So and so it, and so because for some people they, they stress eat they stress spend for me that was my my release and my outlet and so I I was like okay so but now I, I put myself there but now I also have to now find someone that I can say hey this is my accountability partner live in community and not live in the but also it has to be two ways I have to be willing to share that but then I have to find someone that's willing to be open for me to share it and then you say hey we communicate together. And like this is this is how how it how it works, uh, and I'm because I remember I talked to uh, Pastor uh, Gaucher, and it was uh, and I was telling him about my struggle even with pornography, and I was like, man, if I could just stay busy, I'll be good. He says that's not sustainable. He says there's no way that you're gonna always better keep yourself busy. He like and he said he says don't use and he said don't use ministry as a crutch to keep you from your healing. Uh, and so he, I'm paraphrasing, but basically he says that you, you're trying to fill it for the void that only God can fill. And no matter ministry can fill that you're looking for healing. You're looking for a replacement. You're looking for it's almost. Uh, I was watching a show called The Green Arrow and one of the characters on there, she was an alcoholic. And so she was going through. Hey, so she had she was she had she had stopped the alcohol, but. What, what, what she and the other character said, you're an addict. You because she started looking to, uh, she became she became uh, a superhero, but she was looking for the high that came from alcohol. She's like, you're an addict. You just switch switch it up. You still have to deal with this, and until you deal with this, you'll run from addiction to addiction. 
uh, and, I'm, and I made it longer than what it was. It was just a small scene, but that's what it was. And so I was literally looking for something to fill it. And so that becomes my addict and that becomes my plate, that becomes my next addiction. And then I still, I still have to realize that when I get stressed, I'm still going to lean on that because there's going to, there's going to be a time where there's no work for me to do. Cause that's the root. Like you, you do. I know we got to close. Yeah. That, that's what goes down to the root thing. And a lot of these things are, are root issues. Mm-hmm. And community is, is is a is a murky, muddy community. Mm-hmm. I think we're easily offended as people. I think we want to be clean all the time, but sometimes you're gonna have a discussion with somebody you have a disagreement, but it's the it's the it's the disagreements and the agreements that makes those relationships so beautiful. That's what makes marriage so beautiful, makes children so beautiful that you can you can hash things out, maybe raise a voice or two, but keep it cordial and keep it upright. But that's a part of relationships and community is they're going to get dirty. They're going to get muddy. And you need to have that opportunity to be transparent. At, at Acts chapter two, they was getting into it. Mm-hmm. But it was a fact that they was there for each other to get into it with. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes we want to reclaim our relationships. We want to decline relationships. We want to pull back. Mm-hmm. When God has not called us to be isolated, he called us to be a community, a chosen priesthood, together, one. To spread this gospel that is so glorious and I, I just believe that we have to do it and these are stumbling blocks you know leviticus chapter 19 verse 14 i believe speaks about not putting a stumbling block in front of somebody that is basically blind and i think we have many people out there who can't see and with our inability to talk on these things we're putting stumbling blocks in the spiritual realm because all these things whether it be addiction to money sex whatever it's something in your soul in your spirit that needs to be healed Mm-hmm. When that's healed, a young lady walk by you, young man walk by you if you're a woman, or shopping, or if it's food, that stuff is dead because now that hole in your soul has been filled by the Spirit of God and it's being directed by God. So that's, I mean, that's all I got on that. All right. So we're going to close out. Once again, I want to thank everyone for listening and joining. Uh, this has been another episode of the Barnabas Speaks podcast. We have had Elder Kevin Hill. I'm going to ask, I'm going to close out after he prays. So I'm going to ask him that if he would close it out in prayer, uh, we will be blessed for that. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to take these words and not just hear them, but allow them to be applied in our hands and feet as Christ directs our hands and feet and our attitudes and our mindsets, Father God. And Allow us to have a posture of humility so we can receive that word, be directed in it by your word, Father God, and apply it in all that we do. Let us not walk away from this podcast the same, but to walk away, Father God, change, rearrange for application of life so that we can live out what we know and live up to the things that we have been uh, been made aware of, Father. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And as always, I want to make sure that anyone that is looking, uh, they are they have questions about their relationship with God. They have questions uh, or just they, they believe that God is calling them to salvation and they want to walk through a prayer. Definitely feel free to reach out to me. I can reach that in my email, which is Cloyd, C-L-O-Y-E-D dot S dot Brown at gmail.com. I am for if you're social media. I am Cloyd Brown everywhere. So on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, uh, you can reach out to me and definitely uh Feel free to inbox me if you have any questions. Even if you have questions just about your walk. Uh, if I don't know, I'll say I don't know, but we'll get there together. Uh, and so definitely uh, feel free to reach out if you have any questions, comments, concerns. I want to thank uh, Kev for coming out. Uh, and this will not be 
Uh, Lord willing, this will not be his last time on this uh, podcast, the Barnabas Speaks podcast. He will always have an open mic here at the Barnabas Speaks. Uh, but uh, as we close out, remember, never let your independence rob you from dependence on God. God bless you. God, and have you have God let God have a good week. <laughs>